0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app.
1: Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross.
2: Here we go now. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, it's Robert Turbin. Turbo, how's it going? Happy Friday.
0: Hey, happy Friday. How's it going?
2: It's good. We finally got a new Seahawks head coach. What do you make of the hire of Mike McDonald?
0: Yeah, no, I love it. I think uh, I think it's great for the organization, great for the city. Obviously, the fans wanted either you know this coach, Mike McDonald, or Ben Johnson. And I think once Ben Johnson decided to stay in Detroit, uh, the consensus pick was you know Mike McDonald. I mean, I don't know actually who was first or second, but I'm just saying from a fan standpoint, those are the two coaches that uh, you know everybody was kind of looking at the most. It's a it's a nice new outlook for the team, and so, you know, I think it's a good hire.
3: Terrell, how, how important is it that um, he establishes who he is in that building and with this team, and, and how do you suggest that he does that? And I know it's not like a presentation or nothing, but, you know, as a player, what, what are you looking for in your leader?
0: Well, it's important, but You have to establish who you are as a coach. Therefore, there's an, identi- an identity that can be, you know, established, uh, within the within the team you know the, the the last thing you want to do is uh you know sort of address the team for the first time and and leave uh, an unimpressive mark or a question mark about you know who it is that you are as a coach and uh, who it is that you want you know this this team to be so teams are going to be reflections of their head coach, so establishing that personality early is going to be huge.
2: Uh, what are you hoping sticks for the culture? Bump earlier was talking about wondering what's going to happen with the hoop. What's wondering what's going to happen with music at practice? Um, would you be upset to hear any of those things changing?
0: No, I wouldn't. I, you know, music is, is you know pretty universal around the league. Uh, most teams have music plans during practice, maybe outside of the New England Patriots. But Bill Belichick isn't there anymore, so that's likely to change. Uh, a lot of teams. Utilize those factors, especially when they know they're going to be playing in a hostile environment on the road. Now, the basketball hoop thing during team meetings, that may change, but that wouldn't upset me. That's not a, that's an abnormal thing uh, that you see around the league. And so I think it's important to Mike McDonald kind of put his stamp on again, you know, who he is, how the structure is going to be within the program uh, so that the players can then buy in.
3: Turbo, we uh we know what this defense could be. There's film on Mike McDonald and and that Ravens defense, and even in Michigan and how he did things there. The question is going to be, what is this offense going to look like? If, if you're the head coach, what are you looking for in an offensive coordinator, and what do you think that this offense does well and then needs to work on?
0: Well, Mike McDonald's going to bring this new innovative look. He's a young coach, and so you know his his schemes are going to be. You know, a lot different than what what Pete brought to the table, and they're going to be somewhat, um, I guess, newer for lack of a better word, than what we've seen in, in years past. I think that's what he's looking for in an offensive coordinator um, as well. You know, I don't I don't want to bag on Shane Waldron, but you know, he was supposed to come in and be sort of this uh, innovative presence on the offensive side of the football, but. That offense oftentimes looked very predictable and stagnant even when he was calling plays. And so, you know, I think that in the way that we may see Coach McDonald as some sort of mastermind on defense, I'm not saying you need a mastermind on of offense, but somebody certainly who can think outside of the box and, and really take advantage of the talent that's on the roster right now on the offensive side of the football.
2: All right, we can get back to Seattle, but let's take a look ahead to next week's biggest game of the season. Obviously, the Super Bowl, the Chiefs going to face off against the 49ers. I know that you expected the 49ers to be really, really good in the NFC. I don't know why, but I'm kind of surprised the Chiefs actually made it. It's like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best, but they really struggled offensively this year. Are you as surprised to not see Baltimore or not see another AFC team there?
0: I was surprised. I'm not. I'm not surprised that the Chiefs are in it. Right. Um, I, but I am surprised at the way that they that the, the way that they got there. I mean, if you look at how they performed in the playoffs, uh, you would think that they were exceedingly better than the team that they faced against mm-hmm. um, in the playoffs. And both games were on the road, and that was really impressive. That the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes were able to to really accomplish that. The way that they beat the Ravens. I didn't think that the Chiefs were that much better than the Ravens. I thought the Ravens would actually win that football game. But it just goes to show you how good Coach Andy Reid is, how good Patrick Mahomes is, and how they're able to elevate the play of the rest of the team or the rest of the players on the team. i, I said all season long say that Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes are the two lone quarterbacks to me that were you know, the great overcomers of this season because I didn't feel like they had really a lot of great weapons around them, but it didn't matter. And, you know, with Mahomes this year, once again, it didn't matter. And he elevated the play of the player. Uh, Marvez, Marvez Valdez uh, uh, Scantley, the so Kansas City Chiefs making great catches in the playoffs. Those same, those, those same plays he was dropping during the regular season, yeah. you know? So just an example of, you know, how the guys around him were able to elevate their game in the biggest games and the biggest moments of the season.
3: Hey, Terrell, going back to uh, to Seattle, um, again, Mike McDonald, congratulations. But now he's got to grab some coaches, right? He's got he's to fill that staff up. Um, how important is it that he gets this right? Because he's the head of the program, right? He's the guy that's going to step up in front of the media, take the bullets and do all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, you've been in a running back room or a special teams room or whatnot. How important is it that he gets the assistance right?
0: It's very important, man, because you want to be able to to establish some stability within your program. Your staff is is huge as far as the development of young players, as far as, uh, you know, when you bring in veteran players and you're starting to get to know these new guys, um, what do they do best? How can you best? put them in position to be successful. That doesn't all fall on the head coach. Now the head coach gets obviously all of the praise and the blame. uh, But a lot of that developmental stuff comes from a wide receivers coach, a linebackers coach, those position coaches and then being able to communicate, Hey, this is what I'm seeing in individual drills and how we can maximize the potential of a, of a player, whether he's young or whether he's a, he's a veteran. So it's really important. And then, you know, the other thing too is you don't want to you don't want to have to deal with cycling through new coaches all the time. Like it's it's one thing if a coach leaves and he takes an opportunity to be a head coach somewhere. You know, congrats to him. Obviously, Mike McDonald's in that same position. Other coordinators are in that position every year. But it's another to say, hey, you know, this this scheme isn't working. Uh, you know, where we're, we're ranked. Uh, isn't quite where we want to be. And so now you're having to let guys go to try to bring in new faces uh, to fix whatever's wrong. We saw that in recent years uh, in, in Seattle under Coach Carroll. And so it's very important because you want to create that stability and not have to worry about, you know, cycling through another another staff member you know, after two or three seasons.
2: Hey, um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but Mike McDonald was saying one of the most important things for him is to have assistants and coordinators who can really communicate clearly because he's got a lot of ideas he wants to introduce. Have you ever been um, part of a position group where, not to throw anyone under the bus, but you felt like something got lost in translation? Like you, you were like, okay, the problem isn't that that players aren't smart and that the scheme is too complicated we're just having some communication issues. Like, is that somewhat common on NFL teams sometimes?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, it it, it happens all the time. I dealt with that in Cleveland. I dealt with that in in Indianapolis a little bit. The communication sometimes just gets lost, and then, you know, you end up underperforming or not performing well at all, you know, and then that's when you start to, I don't know, point fingers, the blame game starts to, trickle around the locker room, communication is huge in any sort of relationship development. Uh, but, you know, when you're, when you're talking about a roster of 53 guys and then the coaching staff and, and, and management, uh, that communication part is crucial. And, and credit Mike McDonald, right? He's coming from an organization that is, is one of the best in the league. You know, they haven't won a Super Bowl in a long time, but they've been pretty steady for a number of years now. And I'm sure communication has a huge part to do with
3: that. Hey Turbo, I've um I found myself looking at this team differently, right? If Pete Carroll were to come back, Clint Hurt were to come back, and Shane Waldron, um, I think I I still I think I I would feel they can still get into the playoffs and make a run, right? But I look at this now and I go the possibilities are endless. I'm, I'm more optimistic now because of the unknown. How do you look at this team now that Pete Carroll's gone and Mike McDon- McDonald is here?
0: Yeah, I think I would disagree with you slightly. You know, I think that if there was a return uh, to the same coaching staff, I mean, not to not to down anybody, but we've been shown what the results are, okay, over the last couple seasons. And it's been, you know, uh, to the Seahawks' standards, below average. I mean, it's just been below average. As a, you know, the, the, this middle of the road is not what the standard is anymore for Seattle, and it hasn't been for quite a long time. And so, yeah, you bring in some new blood, uh, a new vision, a new outlook on things, some innovation on the defense. We want to be back in the top ten on defense. And when, when defense was top ten in Seattle, that's when, you know, team winning a lot of games, and they were making deep playoff runs and you know it had something to say as it pertains to the NFC and something to say as it pertains to the AFC what mm-hmm. and so yeah you know i'm i'm with you on the optimism now with coach mcdonald coming in as a new head coach
2: Hey, speaking of the NFC West, 49ers. Unfortunately for Seattle in a Super Bowl, um, a former teammate of yours, Richard Sherman, said, "Leave Brock Purdy alone." Said he's a good quarterback. Sure. Cam Newton was dogging on him, saying, "Like, look, he's just assist he's the tenth best player on his team." What's your whole take on Brock Purdy and his place on the 49ers?
0: I think he's a good football player. You know, he wouldn't be starting in the NFL if he wasn't. Yeah. He wouldn't be starting. He doesn't. You know, he, he would not be. I promise you. He would be on the bench. Sam Darnold would be in the game if he was a quarterback that, you know, couldn't get out there and get it done. Now, I don't really care to get into the debate of is he elite, you know, is he one of the best in the league. It doesn't matter, man. He's going out there, he's winning a game. Now, he's got seven all pros. There's only 11 guys on the offensive side of the ball. Seven of them are all pros. Not pro bowlers, okay? All pros, which is even harder to, to, to be uh, in the NFL, okay? So, he's got a lot of great, you know, uh, tools, okay, in his toolkit to work with, but that doesn't uh, negate what he's able to do and what he's accomplished at the quarterback spot. You still got to get out there. You got to do it. You got to take hits in the pocket. You got to deliver the ball on time. You got to throw it accurately. You got to have precision, et cetera, and he's done that. You know, if you look at the tape, he's done that. He's not shying away from any big moments or any big hits or any of those things, and so uh, just as much as Trish McCaffrey or Debo or any of these other guys deserve the credit for where the 49ers are, so does Brock.
3: Do you see a scenario where Brock Purdy outperforms Pat Mahomes in the Super Bowl?
0: No, I don't, okay?
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I
0: don't want take it that far, okay? Yeah. I, I don't. But, you know, I do see a scenario that Brock Purdy makes enough plays that helps the 49ers win the game. That that that's not off the table. That's yeah. not off the table at all. He made enough plays to do it in the first two playoff games. Yeah, in the comeback win against Detroit. He yeah, had to make some plays. He made some plays. He made some plays with his feet. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I'm like, eh. They're letting this guy run for first down, fifteen yards. First down. What is this? All right. He's a playmaker, man. He's a uh you know, he's what we call a gamer. When the game when the game is on and, and, and that that's when he shines, you know. But so there's 15 on the other side, Pat Mahomes. So it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a beautiful matchup, man. I mean, some folks may be disappointed. I was a little a little disappointed personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wanted to see. I mean, I, I don't really I don't really I'm not happy for anybody. But it'd been nice to see Lamar Jackson. You know, maybe have an opportunity win his first title or Detroit you know, get to the Super Bowl because of their story, the city and the franchise and everything like that. But at the end of the day, these are the two best teams in in, in both conferences, and they're getting ready to duke it out on Sunday.
2: He is NFL and NCAA analyst Robert Turbin, kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Thanks, Turbo. Have a good weekend. All
0: right. See you later.
2: I love the idea of Turbo (laughs) being, like, just shocked by Brock Purdy picking up uh, yardage and first downs with his legs. Like, what is this? Come on. Are you, are with his feet, you, come on, with his feet. <laughs> What's he doing? Are you seeing this? The 89th Sports Star of the Year Awards are coming up February 15th. KJ Wright is this year's host, and Seattle Sports will be there as well to celebrate the uh, biggest sports stories and athletes of 2023. Find tickets and info at seattlesports.com/events. You know what? I um, actually never mind. We'll get to it in our second headline Whoa. for NFL for our headline rewrites. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Extra, extra. Headlines. We're gonna make reruns. an addition. We must make headlines. The real
1: story behind the headlines in today's news with
0: Bob and Stacy. <laughs>
1: Headline number one, in addition to Ryan Grubb's name being floated, the Seahawks are also requesting interview with Lions passing game coordinator Tanner Engstrand for their OC job. What's the real
2: headline? Honestly, it was only a matter of time before we started getting Hayden's, Braxton's, and Tanner's as part of the NFL coaching cycle. Um, Someone texted in when we uh, did our first edition of headline rewrites and said, just wait until we get Khaleesi's.
3: Khaleesi. You know that there are Khaleesi's Mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. You know there are. Yeah. You're going to name your son Bradley one day, Stacy. Me? I feel it. No,
2: I am not feeling Bradley. Um I always like Jay. Like I like Jaynes. No, not Jay. But like I haven't narrowed it down yet, but I but I like Jay begin the Jamie, name. Jamie,
1: Jason, Justin,
2: James, we're Jack.
1: We're uh, We're putting Willa into preschool next year cuz she'll be 3. And I'm just waiting to see what her classmates name. Oh, are. it's gonna be it's chaos! It's gonna be insane. Well, I read
2: a bump earlier, um, an influencer who I may or may not follow on TikTok, uh, named uh, her kid. Uh, what did I say? It Rumble. Was? Rumble, honey. Rumble. Um, honey. What? Yes, and she was debating bubble as a middle name, but then chose against Rumble it. Rumble bubble.
1: That would have been.
2: Rumble bumble. Horrific. I know, but it's Rumble, honey.
1: It
3: sounds like she was on one of them Aaron Rodgers trips when she thought of these names. I know
2: her son's <laughs> name is Slim, but I'm not gonna lie, I kind of like that. <laughs> that's yeah. a nickname.
1: Yeah,
2: I, I know, but it's, that's a
1: nickname you give your biggest friend.
2: Yeah. Anyways, her kid's name is Rumble Honey, and they're both the both parents are models. Like, it's what do you expect?
1: <laughs> I think outside the box. God, yeah. Famous people. <laughs> <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> <Just> weird names. <laughs> Headline Rewrites. Headline number two, amid growing speculation that he could ask for a trade in the final year of his Lakers deal, LeBron's agent. Rich Paul said his client will not request a trade to a title contender. What's the real headline?
2: Ultimately, the decision about which Lakers will be traded is going to come down to the GM, LeBron James. Um, This is what I wanted to bring up. I was going to uh, tell it to you. And then I was like, wait, we're getting to the LeBron headline. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you already see where Stephen A. Smith wants him to be traded
3: to the Knicks? To the Knicks. Of course.
2: He said, if LeBron James wants to put himself into position to win a championship, get traded to the New York Knicks center stage, Madison Square Garden, the Mecca. You see that defense?
3: Here's the thing, though. Knicks are balling. I think they've won like nine games in a row so far. They're third in the East. They're one. their last 10 They're doing their thing, man. Bronson over there needs to be in consideration when it comes to the MVP. Uh, Bronson, sorry, the, uh, the Dallas Mavericks let this guy go. It sounds good. I think LeBron automatically makes them contenders. They're contenders already. But LeBron ain't going nowhere his son ain't. Mm. And right now his son is at USC. If his son were to get drafted, I don't think he's getting drafted this year on the average five points, then maybe he makes a move. Also, LeBron is building an $100 million compound in, in Beverly, Beverly Hills. Hills. He ain't going nowhere.
2: Um, people are now sending in names of people that they know. Someone said, my nephew's name is Summit. It's like like man. summit Terrible. of a mountain I like that, i'm not mad at that. I like that i'm really not like sometimes there are names that are unique that are cool and then mm-hmm. sometimes there are names that feel like the parent was like what's a noun give uh, me a on, noun Bowl. okay his name is Bowl. <laughs> 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 they were just thinking of things i like summit
1: i do I like i'm like. i not mad too. at that i wonder if he's gonna be nice on the slopes and stuff that'd be uh, a. oh fun. yeah boy yeah get ready for the 2050 olympics <laughs> i guess he's going downhill
2: <laughs> ah, Let's go, Curtis. Curtis. So stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> headline number three. The Orioles have acquired former Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns from the Milwaukee Brewers. What's the real headline? The
2: audacity of other AL teams trying to improve. Right? How dare you? Excuse you. Let the Mariners have our moment. No one else is allowed to touch free agency or trades. We've already established this.
3: Man, I mean, it must feel good to win 100 games and then watch your franchise say, hey, you know what? Let's get better. Let's get better. But here's the thing, though: if any team in the AL is going to get better, and they do it at the pitching position, I feel good about the rotation for the Mariners as it stands right now. We're gonna be able to throw hands, but I'm still looking over the fence. Uh, what's that guy on um, Home Improvement that used to look over the fence? <laughs> what's his name? Was it Wilson? Yeah, I think it's Wilson. Uh, yes, yeah. that's why I feel like I'm Wilson looking over the fence at the Orioles, talking about mm, what they're doing over there. I could, I could use some of that.
2: Someone said my sister-in-law is named Infinity.
3: Wow! Every time I say her name, I have to say and beyond. Every <laughs> time I say her name.
2: I knew a girl in middle school named Deja Vu. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. Deja for short. Yes. Yeah. Did you yeah. keep seeing her over and over again. <laughs> no, he's hot.
2: Oh my God. He's hot. <laughs> Stop it. Did I walk into don't the let dance? do Yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> let me get out. Exactly. Open. <laughs> exactly. I'm Someone- shooting. Uh, (laughs) Our niece is named Canyon.
1: I'm not mad at that. I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that. that. Canyon. Have you heard
2: Cannon as a name? I I
3: haven't
1: heard.
2: I haven't heard. You better
3: be able to throw a football. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have an arm with that name. That's like
2: you can't have a football name and not be an
1: athlete. There was that quarterback for the Steelers a couple years ago named Duck Hodges. That's the worst name for a quarterback. You're just throwing ducks out there. Yeah, duck Hodges. <laughs> like, I feel like you should be
2: a survivalist. Oh yeah. You know what I mean. Like you need essentially your bear grills, bear grills, and duck Hodges. Sounds like it's a show that or, should be. Or you together. flip
3: it, and his arm is so nice and so tight. He's throwing them ducks, but now it's just like, look, it's it's ducks, but it's me. It's not the duck. It's okay. Throwing my ducks.
2: Okay. <laughs> it's like I. <laughs> I try.
3: You you gotta flip it somehow if you're a quarterback. Someone
2: said I met someone named Eternity.
3: That sound. I will have a a cologne eternity.
2: Mm. Yeah, Calvin Klein.
3: So maybe that was the uh, inspiration there.
2: Yeah, people are just texting in. Uh, I had a customer whose daughter's name was Rainbow. Our friend's daughter's name is Sunday. I knew a girl named, I went to uh, high school with a girl named Tuesday.
1: Yeah, uh, Yeah, it was a
2: cool name, I like that name.
1: I have a friend who's married to a wife named uh, Tuesday. What if it's
2: the same Tuesday? Also, uh, have Tuesday you guys ever heard anyone say?
1: Is last
2: no. Have you guys ever heard anyone say Tuesday? Is yes. this an East Coast thing? Or is I think this it's a generational thing. Okay. Because my. Like you mean Tuesday. like Tuesday. You know,
3: That was Brit- British people say my, that. I
2: have a friend from Maryland who says Tuesday, and I've always wondered if it's an East Coast or the Maryland Maryland
3: thing. accent is something special, though. Right. That's
2: it's what I'm saying. There are just little words she'll say when I go. What? Yeah. <laughs>
1: something special.
2: What was that? All right, you guys.
1: 425 says they have a friend with three daughters named April, May, and June.
2: Well, here's the thing. Were they born in April, May, and June? I know.
1: I hate it when people give their kids names that are months, and those months don't correspond with their (laughs) birthday.
2: I know a scout, Zuzu Lux.
1: I like Zuzu.
3: That's a soccer name. Play soccer. Yeah. Zuzu Lux. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You've just, that's been chosen for you. You're listening Scout,
1: (laughs) Scout's their first name, right?
2: I've heard Scout. God, there's a celebrity with a kid named Scout, but I'm totally blanking. I think
1: it's Sam Ponders' kid, right? I don't even know anymore. I feel like it's uh, Angelina Jolie.
2: Yeah.
3: I
1: don't know.
2: You're listening to Bumpin' (laughs) Stacy on Seattle Sports, the Seattle Sports app. The Jags are asking FanDuel for $20 million. We'll tell you why next.
1: Bump and Stacy, powered through the Alaska
0: Airlines studios on Seattle Sports Station. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross,
2: taking a look around the NFL, and we are going to start with the annual Super Bowl press conference that is hosted by Roger Goodell some changes to this year's. Now it used to be open to everyone and it would be on a Friday. So it would be packed with reporters and people looking to hear from the NFL commissioner this year, though, there's a change. Not only is it going to be on a Monday, but apparently it's invite only.
3: why they switch it up? Y'all scared? What's going on, man? What's going on? That's the thing. It's, um, you depend on the public so much to fund your business, right? You, you depend on these people to show up, um, These should be like open platforms, I feel like. It's a
2: press conference. It's a press
3: conference, right? People have questions. They want to look owners or whatnot in their eyes and get their vibe. And you play for the people. I get this is a multi-billion dollar business, the NFL is, but... It should be more focused on the fans in situations like this.
2: It's a very intentional effort to limit questions also by moving it to a Monday because Friday before Super Bowl, everyone's in town. If you are a small market reporter who, you know, your company isn't going to send you there for a week, maybe you're someone who's paying your own way because you're an independent reporter and you don't want to go there for a week. If you go there on a Friday, that's when everyone's there. Everyone's already checked Mm -hmm. in on the Friday before Super Bowl. Making it on a Monday limits the number of people that are there. Invite only limits the number of people that are there. And what's weird to me is I don't know. Know what the NFL has to dodge or hide. Like, this is another incredibly successful season. Here's the thing they, you know, you
3: make players get in front of the mic after games, yep. after they drop the football, don't yep. make the play. You don't make the referees have to answer to anybody. And now you're ducking the public. The only people held accountable are the players. And those are the ones who should be praised. I'm fine with players being held accountable. But goodness gracious, be a leader, get in front of the mic and answer some tough questions. That's just, uh, Soft.
2: Now one little wrinkle I'm gonna throw into this one, while it may just be for logistical reasons, keep in mind that the change this year to invite only also comes just one year after a veteran reporter, Jim Trotter, mm-hmm. um grilled Roger Goodell mm-hmm. about the league's diversity issues.
3: Right. And then he So And Goodell uh, says something like it's even more diverse now than it was. And it's like no, nah, it's not yeah. Uh, they just don't like being asked questions they're not prepared for. Yes. Yet athletes and coaches do it every single day.
2: Yep. Next up, Cliff Kingsbury back in the NFL. He's been named to the Raiders' offensive staff as their new offensive coordinator, this under new head coach Antonio Pierce.
3: Perfect. Perfect role for him. Up in that booth, call your plays. You're in Vegas. You already like the desert. I feel like him and Antonio Pierce, right? Mm-hmm. That's like Ebony Ivory. There's something about that that I f- <laughs> feel like it's really gonna work, man. You got Antonio Pierce, who's super intense and loud, and then you got the cool, kind of mild manner Kingsbury. Yeah. I like it. Y'all still need a quarterback though. Yes. Because law enforcement O'Connell, I think his name is, is not gonna get a done. He looks
2: like he's in Reno 911. Exactly. It's very weird. No offense to him. It's just it's nah. the mustache. If you yeah, have a mustache, I'm going to assume you're in Reno 911. Um, what do you make of, I was seeing some people propose this, and I don't think it's going to happen, but two things. Number one, them trading for Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. Number two, them trading the farm to go to number one.
3: Um, I think trading for Justin Fields is more um, realistic. I don't think it's going to happen. What what pick do they have in the draft? Do you know?
2: Mm, not entirely sure. I'll look it up. But um, – See, Raiders
1: have the 13th. 13? They might be able to get a quarterback at 13. You
2: could trade, yeah. I mean, JJ McCarthy's going to be there. Poe mm-hmm. Nix may still be there. Mm-hmm. We're all assuming Michael Penix Jr. could fall out of the first round entirely. Right. right. There are options for you.
3: No, nah, they don't need to do anything. You go ahead and, and get your draft picks. Don't mess with Justin Fields. Even though I think that young man deserves to be in a spot where he can be coached up because um, Caleb's going to be gone. That's another great question. Where the heck. Just feels right land next year because we assume that the Bears are going to take Caleb Williams.
2: Now, unfair is a word that's almost laughable to use when it comes to the NFL, which is a very tough business. But is it unfair for the Bears to hang on? to Justin Fields
3: and draft Caleb
2: and draft Caleb.
3: Oh, it's a weird situation. Why would you do that? No one, no one there is going to be comfortable. They're going to come out and say all the right things. Oh, I support the quarterback. I support their decision. But in reality, man, you need a guy who is going to be the future. You need a guy who's going to back up the future. I think both of those guys, obviously, Caleb Williams hasn't played in the league yet. He's got a bright future. And I really think if Justin's in the right system, he can be a lot more better than he's been
2: the Jacksonville Jaguars Jaguars? Jaguars. I, I, I can't help it. I say Jaguars. I'm going to be who I am. I have to be authentic there and true go. to myself. The Jacksonville out. Jaguars asked FanDuel to return $20 million. Why? Y'all remember that story of Amit Patel who was a mid-level finance manager with the Jags who stole $22 million mm-hmm. through a virtual credit card system. Uh, the Jags are pursuing uh, some of that money trying to get it back. Apparently, he lost about $20 million on fantasy and sports bets
3: hey when <laughs> when that person broke into my wife's car took her purse and credit card and went to Walmart and charged her 1200 bucks. we got all of it back. Yeah, I'm just saying. It's <laughs> really, this, it's supposed to go down like this, right? They didn't make those charges. Yeah. They weren't authorized. Yep. Giving their money back.
2: Now, um, this is uh, what one source told ESPN. The way they see it, we got this money fair and clear. It's not our problem. We have to forfeit it back to you. That's a FanDuel source, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I would be gobsmacked if it happened. The Jags, meanwhile, are like, this money was stolen it's from theft. us. It's that approach, right? Yeah. This was money stolen from us, and this person bet that I can't get over him stealing 22 million and losing 20 million of it in fantasy bets. He's,
3: he's horrible you, at that. You,
2: like, first of all, you're stupid. I mean, you're smart for getting away with this very briefly, but eventually, you did too much and got caught because the original story was like he was flying his friends on private jets, like just doing way too much, had too many cars, and people were like, "What? You work in finance? Like, <laughs> you're not doing too much. You know what I mean?" But um, I just, I simply would not use 95% of the money I had stolen to place bets.
3: Nah, I'm buying land. You know? I'm, I'm, I'm setting my kids up for success.
2: I'm just, I'm spending it very modestly until I can weasel my way out of that organization and then live like a billionaire.
3: Someone says, good point, authorized representative. So he did have the okay to make purchases. But not necessarily those purchases. Fanduel has a has a case. They got a case. You think you think uh, they're going to get the money back?
2: Twenty million?
3: Buy, I We'll give you ten.
2: I think Let's it'll settle. be some kind of some, like some kind settlement, of like settlement, some yeah. kind of thing. Because you're right. For Fanduel, they're like, well, what do you want us to do? Like, he took this money by scamming you, but he was employed by you. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. like a you know your example of a of a thief breaking into the cars is, is a great one. Because what do you do when, exactly like this person said, you co-signed that person initially. You right. co-signed that employee. Mm-hmm. You were, They were hired by you. That's a you problem. You did it. Mm-hmm. Veteran NFL quarterback Teddy Bridgewater has a very cool new job. Now, he officially retired from football today. He had already announced that this would be his final season playing, and he's already got his next job lined up. He's going to return to his old high school, Miami Northwestern, and be head coach of the football team.
1: I
3: like that, man. Me too. And this, this tells me that, one, he likes coaching – He wants to get his feet wet. And as soon as that happens and he has some type of, he doesn't even have to have success at the high school level. If he wants to climb the ladder, it can happen fairly quickly. He's a quarterback. I like this move. And he's a quarterback that maximized his ability. Because you think of Teddy Bridgewater, you don't think of him as a just freak athlete. He's a quarterback. He had to operate from the pocket, could get outside a little bit. I like that he started at high school. We'll see him in the NFL pretty soon.
2: All right, last one here. ESPN draft analyst Matt Miller gave an update on the performances of Michael Penix and Bo Nix at the Senior Bowl. Take a listen.
0: Today, they were crisp. Today was, okay, these guys look like NFL quarterbacks today. Um, Both look great. Penix, the arm strength is is so obvious in person. The ball just flies out of his hand. He's such an impressive thrower. Nix, you get more of the total package. You know, you get someone who's, you know, got... Good accuracy, really good mobility, smart player, uh, a really good leader. You can see that in practices, so it's it's easy to understand why you know these players have such a, a good reputation and why NFL teams are so excited about them.
2: I believe that was this morning with Brock and Salk. I'm going to throw on a tiny little nugget of information from Jim Nagy, who's the executive director of the Senior Bowl. He said that Michael Penix was named the top quarterback on the national team in a vote from defensive teammates.
3: Now, look, I don't, do, I don't, I don't think Bonix isn't any of that of what. This reporter just said, but Michael Penix Jr. beat Bo Nix twice, and I mm-hmm. felt like Oregon had the better team in some in one at least one of yes. those cases, right? So unless Michael Penix is getting on the board and not understanding coverages and how to go through his progressions or, or whatnot. I would think you got to give the nod to Michael Penix now I'm not there. I'm also hearing on the other side that Pennings is balling. So there's some posturing going on right here. Guys are connected to agents and they're putting narratives out there. I think Bonix is a great quarterback, but just to to flat out and you know ensue that he is yeah that much better than Michael Pennings, I agree. I'm
2: not sure about that You're listening to Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app coming up next, the names we're keeping an eye on for Seahawks open coordinator roles.
0: Bump and Stacy,
2: powered through the Alaska Airlines studios
0: on Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy
1: Rost.
2: Well, Mike McDonald has yet to fill out the Seahawks coaching staff. I mean, he just got here, guys. Give him a minute. But we're already keeping an eye on a few names for Seahawks coordinator roles. Uh, and we're also going to have a conversation just about what this coordinator role, either on defense or offense, is going to call for. So, first, Bump. Some names you're just kind of keeping an eye on, checking the pulse of, uh, while we move forward this week.
3: The first one, I'm um I'm staying in the division. You know, you you gotta beat some guys, and you don't want to join them. Can't do that; it's impossible, Stacey. You gotta stay in your city with your team, but you can take their coaches. And I'm looking at Clint Kubiak, the passing game coordinator for the 49ers. Why not go out there and Mm -hmm. get him? We look at the passing game. Yes, it's Kyle Shanahan, right? But what Kyle Shanahan has done is he's taught this young man who is 36 years old, born in 87, just like our guy Mike McDonald. And he goes, look, these are the things that I want to get done. Now, he was at Texas A&M as a quality control coach and a grad assistant. Then he goes to the Minnesota Vikings, quality control. Then he's at Goes back to college, Kansas, wide receiver, Denver Broncos for a while. He was an offensive assistant, quarterback coach, offensive coordinator in 2021 for the Vikings and back to the Broncos. Anyway, I say all this because this guy's been around. Again, the only thing that makes me pump fake just a little bit is that – We do need some uh, some older presence out there when it comes to uh, the coaching staff. Not not saying that this this dude can't be a good coordinator, but if you do go young on that side of the football, you got to support him with some dudes.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's like you you love the injection of youth and innovation into a coaching staff, but it does also bring its own uh, obstacles He sounds like a really, really intriguing guy. Um, I'm looking him up. uh, He's getting attention from other teams, uh, as you noted. Uh, And also, an example of maybe a Nepo baby that worked. You know what I mean? Kyle Shanahan was one of them, and and maybe Clint's another. Sometimes Nepotism is okay. you know I mean? These you guys know,
1: grew up in the game. You, you know. You guys want to see how quickly things change in the coaching carousel? Oh, God. The Saints are working to hire Clint Kubia. Goodness gracious. That's great. according to Adam Schefter. Goodness <laughs> gracious. Just now.
2: Great. <laughs> don't worry. I got more. So, okay, what you else know. you okay. got, Bob? We, we got out. another. <laughs> and then right we're going to have another Adam Schefter tweet come out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay in the Nepo game. Why okay. Not? Why don't we? I All love right? the Nepo
2: game now. All right.
3: How about uh, you, you know this name? Uh, well, it's not Nepo, but you know. Why not uh, take a look at uh, our guy Bevel again? Would you do that? Would you experience? Would Ooh, you? Would you? Would you go wow. that route? Wow. With Bevel? He is right now the QB coach for Miami. He's a pass game coordinator for Miami. Bevel Miami's has some,
2: offense was fired.
3: That's what I'm saying. I, I I look at Bevel, and of course, um, you might feel some type of way about Bevel and and how things. Uh, went down over here with, with Russell Wilson and, and all that stuff. But um, he's experienced. He's a bit older than um, our guy, Clint, who just rejected our offer to be the offensive coordinator here you? in Seattle. Stupid um, deal, baby. 54 years old. He's been with the Detroit Lions. Um, he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And um, now he's with uh, Miami. So I'm looking at Daryl Bevel and saying, run it back, maybe? Run it
2: back. I do wonder where, as you just uh, wondered, where does the – veteran presence come in right and I question whether it can be on defense not that someone wouldn't be willing to swallow their pride but it would be tough to be a you know 40 50 something year old defensive coordinator who's been there done that who's succeeded and all of a sudden your 36 year old head coach is calling place
3: right I feel
2: that that you know
3: all right well let's go So
2: that's why I'm wondering if it's on the offensive side
3: you want to go another direction yeah let's keep going how about um, this guy was a um, he's on TV for a while but obviously played in the NFL Brian Greasy. Um, He is the quarterback coach for the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. Um, I look at that and he's a bit older. He's 48 years old. Um, He has as a player. He was with the Broncos, Miami, with Tampa Bay, Chicago. Um, As a coach, this is his first stop. He just got into the coaching game. He was doing more TV in 2022. I've always liked Brian Greasy's uh, explanation when he's breaking down stuff. And he he knows the game now. He's never been a coordinator in the NFL, though. So uh, there's some some cause for pause right Right. there. But again, bars, um, bars. Quarterbacks, quarterbacks, and offensive linemen typically make your your better coordinators. One because the quarterback understands how to protect himself, and the offensive line understands how to protect the quarterback, and they're good with angles when it comes to the run game. So, um, I'm waiting for my my receivers to get hot because you know we've been we've been changing the game here lately. But typically, you lean on these uh, quarterbacks and offensive linemen to do your thing.
2: From the two five three, do you think Mike Vrabel would take a DC role?
3: That's a tough one, man. I don't think he would. And would you want him to be the D.C. knowing that as soon as a head coach job opens up, he's going to go? And that's going to be next year Mm -hmm. because guys get fired every single year. You want to get at least two to three years with a coordinator.
2: I will say I doubt that any of those veteran coaches, whether it's Bill Belichick, who would never go to a coordinator role, uh, whether it's Rabel, um, anyone like that, we always heard that the issue was – Vrabel, for instance, was only ever interested in the Chargers because that was a team that was willing to give their head coach control over personnel and control over the GM, which right. they did with Jim Harbaugh. And that was what intrigued Vrabel about it. We also know that Vrabel had some clashing with ownership and with the GM out in Tennessee. I think that's a kind of a recipe for disaster.
3: Yeah. I also think that sometimes his personalities don't click, right? And and that could be it too, but you can't ignore it. I got one more. Um, didn't get a fair shot in Carolina. Frank Reich. Frank mm, Reich. I'm not at that. He's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. Didn't work out with Bryce Young. I think he need more than one year to fix that situation over there. He didn't even get that. But um, you guys know he played in the league. Um, he's most known for what he did with Andrew Luck over there with Indy. Was with the San Diego Chargers, Philly, and uh, most recently with the Carolina Panthers. So there's a mix of some young, forget Clint Kubiak, he mm-hmm. traded straight dipped on us, um, and then <laughs> and then you got some older cats. So either way, either way, whichever direction he goes, whether it's young younger, old, just anticipate some some gray hair on that staff
2: eventually. Yeah, I think you gotta be able to. I mean, you need that. Like, just, you know, someone who's been there. I think, too, to your point about Frank Reich, he kind of got a bad rap being given the reins to a team that just was not going to succeed. The Carolina Panthers were not going to succeed this year. No. They didn't have the weapons. No chance. They did not have the wide receiver group, and they had a rookie quarterback who was figuring it out and who was honestly facing questions about his size in the NFL. Yeah. Like, that was a that was doomed to fail.
3: Yep. Um, My last one, I've said this. I'm going to keep saying his name. He needs permission if he wants to leave, but if – If the commanders get Chip Kelly over there, which it sounds like they're talking to him, go ahead and let Eric bien go. Send him over here to Seattle. We'll take him.
2: All right, you guys. We are going to stick with the new head coach conversation, but we're not talking about coordinators. We have eight new NFL head coaches, and I have a series of questions. Who's going to be the most impactful with his new team? Who's the biggest risk? Who's the slam dunk? And which hire still has you scratching your head? All of that coming your way next.